Alright, welcome back to chapter 36, Multi-System Trauma and Trauma in Special Patient Populations. Our case study introduction. Excited to hear the approach of the ice cream truck in his neighborhood, seven-year-old Russ Moffat runs into the street to look for it. He fails to see the car approaching from the opposite direction until it's too late, turning toward it at the last second. The bumper strikes Russ in the torso, causing his head to impact the hood before throwing him down to the ground as the driver screeches the car to a halt. How will Russ's age affect the type, of, the type and distribution of his injuries? How might Russ's injuries present differently from the same injuries in an adult patient? What differences are required in the assessment and management of this patient as compared to an adult? Again, I encourage you to pause this video, write these questions down so you can answer them as we go along. Okay, the introduction. The involvement of multiple body systems in trauma makes management of the trauma patient more challenging. There are special considerations in assessment and management of pediatric, geriatric, pregnant, and cognitively impaired trauma patients. Multi-system trauma. A patient is considered to have multi-system trauma when more than one system, uh, more than one major system is involved. Significant forces increase the risk for injuries to multiple systems. Morbidity and mortality are higher in patients with multi-system trauma. The risk of, de of developing shock is higher with multi-system trauma. The care for multi-system trauma patients depends on the systems involved. The definitive care is often surgery. Golden principles of pre-hospital multi-system trauma care ensure safety of personnel and patient, determine additional resources as needed, understand kinematics, identify and manage life threats, manage the airway while maintaining cervical spine stabilization, support ventilation and oxygenation, control external hemorrhage and treat for shock, perform a secondary assessment and obtain a medical history, Splint skeletal injuries and maintain spine motion restriction if needed. Make transport decisions. Trauma in pregnant patients. Anatomic and physiologic considerations in pregnant trauma in the pregnant trauma patient. It is difficult to assess the fetus, so manage the mother aggressively. The blood volume is increased by 50% in late pregnancy. The heart rate increases 10 to 15 uh, beats per minute by the third tri trimester and the uterus becomes highly vascular. So I want to go back and look at these again. It's difficult to assess the fetus because we don't have the machines, x-rays, ultrasound, any of that stuff. So we must manage the mother aggressively. Blood volume increases by 50% in late pregnancy. That means if there's any kind of hemorrhage, you're gonna have a lot of it because the blood volume has increased. The heart rate is increased by 10 to 15 beats per minute. So whatever is normal for an adult, if she's pregnant in the third trimester, it's going to be 15, 10 to 15 beats per minute more. And the uterus becomes highly vascular. Why? Because it's supplying blood and nutrients to that, um, to that fetus. The diaphragm is elevated. That means it's going to be lifted up. It's going to be high. Pain perception in the abdomen is altered. That means she will not be able to feel pain as she, as she would have in the past. Decrease gastric motility and increase risk of vomiting. 
the uterus and bladder are at a greater risk of injury. It's pushing out. The baby's pushing all this stuff out. Assessment considerations in the pregnant trauma patient, the more severe the injury to the mother, the greater the chance of fetal injury. Fetal death rates are nine times higher than maternal death rates following trauma. The most common problem caused by maternal trauma is uterine contractions that may progress in labor. Abrupto placentae is premature separation of the placenta from the uterine wall. Let me repeat that. Abruptio placentae is premature separation of the placenta from the uterine wall. Why am I repeating that? Because you will see it again. All right, so there's there's uh, a few things that we're going to learn when we get to obstetrics, but you, don't, you need to, to remember this because you will see this again, I can promise you. So memorize this. Abruptio placentae is premature separation of the placenta from the uterine wall. Premature means it happened too early. Fetal and maternal outcomes from motor vehicle collisions are, far, are more favorable when the mother wears a seatbelt. Uterine rupture may occur as a result of motor vehicle trauma. It can result in maternal and fetal death. Fetal distress can be caused by hypoxia or hypovolemia, but signs of shock can be delayed or masked in pregnant patients. Attempt, attempt resuscitation of the pulseless pregnant trauma patient according to your protocol. Management considerations for the pregnant trauma patient. When spine motion restriction is required, tilt the spine board to the left to prevent supine hypotensive syndrome. Supine hypotensive syndrome is a pregnant lady is laying on her back in the supine that fetus is going to rest right on top of the uh, inferior vena cava causing uh, hypox um, excuse me uh, low blood pressure I was going to get it out here in just a second um, causing her to be severely hypotensive which is bad for her and the baby airway ventilation and oxygenation are critical to, preg to the pregnant trauma patient EMT should anticipate vomiting and have suction readily available. Airway and ventilation. Assist inadequate ventilations. Administer oxygen and maintain as high an SpO2 as possible. The fetus can be severely hypoxic before the mother shows signs of hypoxia. So in this case, we're going to forget about the 94%. We're going to try to maintain that SpO2 as high as we can. Circulation, check for major bleeding. Absorb vaginal bleeding with a pad. Do not pack the, va uh, the vagina. Absorb it, anticipate, and treat for shock. Remember that anytime there's hemorrhage, there's a possibility that your patient's gonna go into shock. Consider ALS intercept or air medical transport for major traumas involving pregnant patients. Anticipate the need for additional resources if delivery is imminent. Imminent delivery means you must deliver that child right there on scene. Okay, click on the intervention that is required to prevent supine hypotensive syndrome when managing a pregnant trauma patient. If you chose C, you would be correct. 
supine hypotensive syndrome occurs when the pregnant uterus compresses the vena cava, reducing blood to return to the heart. Tilting the long backboard to the left takes the weight off of the uterus off the vena cava. Anatomic and physiologic considerations in the pediatric patient. Traumatic forces are more widely distributed in pediatric patients. Pediatric patients have heavy heads and weak neck muscles. Infants and children have greater chest wall flexibility than adults. As you see here, children are frequently victims of major and minor trauma. The Pediatric Assessment Triangle, the PAT, helps with the with formation of the general impression. Um, PALS assesses consciousness, breathing, and color. And give me one second. So the pediatric assessment triangle, we're going to look for their appearance, their work of breathing, and circulation. Appearance, work of breathing, and circulation. And PALS stands for, uh, it's a mnemonic for Pediatric Advanced Life Support. Um, and it's a it's a it's a course that you can take um, later on through American Heart Association. It goes more in depth about vital signs and that sort of thing. Assessment considerations in the pediatric patient: subtle changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and skin perfusion may indicate cardiorespiratory failure. A slow heart rate may indicate hypoxia. Assess the brachial pulse. And blood pressure readings are difficult to obtain in children three years of age or younger. In spine motion restriction, pad beneath the child who is younger than eight years of age from the shoulders to the hips to prevent neck flexion. Open the airway and assess for any possible obstructions. Gurgling or strider indicate upper airway obstruction. Assess circulation and control. Direct bleeding. Manage hypovolemia and shock. Prevent hypothermia. Transport to an appropriate facility and continually reassess. So basically, assess circulation and, con and control direct bleeding. Uh, direct bleeding, that's going to be life-threatening uh, in your primary Hypovolemia and shock is stop the bleeding, treat for shock, treat for shock. It's going to be prevent hypothermia, so we're going to warm our patient up and then transport to the appropriate facility. Continually reassess every three to five minutes. All right, trauma and geriatric patients. The risk of death and significant injury is greater for young, than for younger patients. A number of physiological changes predispose the elderly to injuries. Falls are the most common cause of injury. Many falls are the result of medical conditions. Anatomic and physiologic considerations in the geriatric trauma patient. 
Changes in the pulmonary, cardiovascular, neurological, and musculoskeletal systems occur with aging. These changes make injury more likely and make it harder for the elderly patient to compensate when injury occurs. Pre-existing medical conditions and medications affect the patient's outcome. Altered mental status is a significant sign. Be alert to airway obstruction for dentures and impaired cough reflex. Management considerations for the geriatric trauma patient. Use padding when spine motion restriction is necessary. Maintain a clear airway and be prepared to suction. Support ventilation as needed to maintain the SpO2 greater than or equal to, and it should be 94, not 95. Okay, so in our geriatric patients, we know that as people get older, they develop medical conditions or injuries that don't heal well. So we have those, those are the things they're talking about taking into consideration whenever we're treating these trauma patients. And then we have to understand that some of those medical conditions may have caused them to fall and may have caused some of these injuries. So we need to be our little medical detectives and um, pick up the clues and ask questions so we can figure these things out. Okay, cognitively impaired patients. Cognitively impaired patients are more prone to trauma. Conditions include dementia, autism, brain injury, stroke, Alzheimer's disease, and Down syndrome. Cognitive impairments can affect assessment and management. All right, Down syndrome patient may have a mild to moderate development impairment. You may have to rely on a parent or caregiver to help reassure the patient and provide information about the patient's history. Anatomic and physiologic considerations. Physiological changes can accompany some forms of cognitive impairment depending on the underlying cause. Many patients have sensory loss related to aging and disease. History and consent may be difficult to obtain. First attempt to get information from the patient or you might need to rely on others for information if needed. Patients may be confused, upset, and uncooperative. Pain perception may be altered. Gain information through the trauma assessment reassess frequently. Maintain a high index of suspicion that impairment results from injury rather than the pre-existing condition. So what they're saying right here is just because they may be cognitively impaired doesn't mean uh, that's the reason why they're altered. We, if they're altered, we always want to maintain that high index of suspicion that it was caused by the injury because if we don't and it was caused by the injury, then we're going to miss something really, really big like a head injury. And that's not something uh, we need to be overlooking. Involve the caregivers to increase cooperation. Err on the side of caution and treat as if the patient has a head injury. There we go. I knew they were going to mention it, but I wanted to mention it to you ahead of time. Okay, you're seeing size up. Assess the mechanism of injury. Suspect injury of more than one body system. Identify whether the patient belongs to any special patient populations. Do not assume altered mental status is due to pre-existing condition. They're in your primary. Suspect spinal injury. Provide inline stabilization. Assess the mental status. Establish an airway using a jaw thrust maneuver. Anticipate vomiting and prepare to suction. Provide oxygen for adequately breathing patients. Provide positive pressure ventilation if breathing is inadequate. For beta-cardic pa uh, pediatric patients, assist ventilation. Provide oxygen for adequately breathing patients. Provide positive pressure ventilation if breathing is inadequate. For bradycardic pa pediatric patients, assist ventilation. Look at that again. For bradycardic pediatric patients, assist in ventilations. During your secondary assessment, physical exam, perform a rapid secondary assessment. 
anticipate altered reactions to pain among special patient populations, obtain vitals. Normal vitals are based on the patient's age. When you get a history, when and how did the incident occur? What is the chief complaint? Are there any signs or symptoms associated with the trauma? Is the patient pregnant? If so, how far along is she? Is there any vaginal ble bleeding or crowning? How old is the patient? Does the patient take any medications? Is the patient allergic to anything? What is the patient's medical history? Is there a history of previous trauma or cognitive impairment? <clears throat> Emergency medical care, use standard precautions, establish or maintain an inline stabilization. For third trimester pregnancy, tilt the backboard to the left to get the, the fetus off the vena cava. For children younger than eight years old, pad the shoulders from to shoulders to the hips. Um, for the elderly, pad voids between the back. Um, excuse me, beneath the back. Maintain a patent uh, patient airway and adequate breathing and oxygenation. Use a jaw thrust maneuver if you need to. Be prepared to suction. Administer oxygen. And monitor the airway, breathing, pulse, and mental status for deterioration. Control bleeding. Treat for shock. Identify and treat other injuries. Transport immediately. Notify the receiving facility. Consider requesting, requesting ALS and reassess vitals every five minutes. Our case study conclusion, EMTs arrive and as they approach to apply an inline stabilization to the spine and open the airway, they note a pale patient who appears unresponsive and who has labored breathing. One EMT uses a jaw thrust maneuver to open the airway as another completes the primary assessment. The EMTs insert an oropharyngeal airway and begin assisting ventilations and administering supplemental oxygen. Russ has several superficial abrasions and minor lacerations, but no major external bleeding. The EMTs perform a rapid secondary assessment and provide spine motion restriction, padding from the shoulders to the hips to maintain the neck in neutral alignment. The EMTs are transporting within six minutes of arriving and immediately notify the receiving facility. En route, they continue to man continue management of the airway and breathing and keep Russ warm as well as obtaining baseline vitals. Russ is stabilized at a level 3 trauma center and then flown to a children's hospital for further management. Although he faces months of rehabilitation, the quick action of the EMTs provided him with the best opportunity for a full recovery. Suspect multi-system trauma in any patient who has been subjected to a significant external force. Use the golden principles of trauma to care of care to manage patients with multi-system trauma. Special populations of patients require additional assessment and management considerations. The EMT must incorporate knowledge of the special needs of these patients into the care provided. Okay, we'll see you next time.